Chapter Eleven of Death World by Harry Harrison. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Greg Marguerite. Death World by Harry Harrison. Chapter Eleven. Resealing the cellar, they carried the box back to Jason's new office. Only after spraying with decontaminant did they examine it closely. Meta picked out engraved letters on the lid. S. T. Pollux Victory. That must be the name of the spacer this log came from, but I don't recognize the class or whatever it is the initials S. T. stand for. Stellar Transport, Jason told her as he tried the lock mechanism. I've heard of them, but I've never seen one. They were built during the last wave of galactic expansion, really nothing more than gigantic metal containers put together in space. After they were loaded with people, machinery, and supplies, they would be towed to whatever planetary system had been chosen. These same tugs and one-shot rockets would break the STs in for a landing, then leave them there. The hull was a ready source of metal, and the colonists could start right in building their new world. And they were big. All of them held at least fifty thousand people. Only after he had said it did he realize the significance of his words. Meta's deadly stare drove it home. There were now less people on Pyrrhus than had been in the original settlement. And human population without rigid birth controls usually increased geometrically. Jason Dinault suddenly remembered Meta's itchy trigger finger. But we can't be sure how many people were aboard this one, he said hurriedly, or even if this is the log of the ship that settled Pyrrhus. Can you find something to pry this open with? The lock is corroded into a single lump. Meta took her anger out on the box. Her fingers managed to force a gap between lid and bottom. She wrenched at it. Rusty metal screeched and tore. The lid came off in her hands, and a heavy book thudded to the table. The cover legend destroyed all doubt. Log of S. T. Pollux Victory, Outward Bound, Satani to Pyrrhus, 55,000 settlers aboard. Meta couldn't argue now. She stood behind Jason with tight clenched fists and read over his shoulder as he turned the brittle yellowed pages. He quickly skipped through the opening part that covered the sailing preparations and trip out. Only when he had reached the actual landing did he start reading slowly. The impact of the ancient words leaped out at him. Here it is, Jason shouted, proof positive that we're on the right trail. Even you will have to admit that. Read it. Right here. Second day since the tugs left. We are completely on our own now. The settlers still haven't grown used to the planet, though we have orientation talks every night, as well as the morale agents who I have working twenty hours a day. I suppose I really can't blame the people. They all lived in the underways of Satani, and I doubt if they saw the sun once a year. This planet has weather with a vengeance worse than anything I've seen on a hundred other planets. Was I wrong during the original planning stages not to insist on settlers from one of the agrarian worlds, people who could handle the outdoors? These citified Satanis are afraid to go out in the rain. But of course they have adapted completely to their native 1.5 gravity, so the 2G here doesn't bother them much. That was the factor that decided us. Anyway, too late now to do anything about it, or about the unending cycle of rain, snow, hail, hurricanes, and such. Answer will be to start the mines going, sell the metals, and build completely enclosed cities. The only thing on this forsaken planet that isn't actually against us are the animals. A few large predators at first, but the guards made short work of them. The rest of the wildlife leaves us alone. Glad of that. They have been fighting for existence so long that I have never seen a more deadly-looking collection. Even the little rodents no bigger than a man's hand are armored like tanks. 
I don't believe a word of it, Meta broke in. That can't be Pyrrus he's writing about. Her words died away as Jason wordlessly pointed to the title on the cover. He continued scanning the pages, flipping them quickly. A sentence caught his eye and he stopped, jamming his finger against the place he read aloud. And the troubles keep piling up. First Har Palo, with his theory that the volcanism is so close to the surface that the ground keeps warm and the crops grow so well. Even if he is right, what can we do? We must be self-dependent if we intend to survive. And now this other thing. It seems that the forest fire drove a lot of new species our way. Animals, insects, and even birds have attacked the people. Note for Har. Check if possible seasonal migration might explain attacks. There have been fourteen deaths from wounds and poisoning. We'll have to enforce the rules for insect lotion at all times, and I suppose build some kind of perimeter defense to keep the larger beasts out of the camp. This is the beginning, Jason said. At least now we are aware of the real nature of the battle we're engaged in. It doesn't make Pyrrus any easier to handle or make the life-forms less dangerous to know that they were once better disposed towards mankind. All this does is point the way. Something took the peaceful life-forms, shook them up, and turned this planet into one big death-trap for mankind. That something is what I want to uncover. End of Chapter 11 of Death World by Harry Harrison